Hello, and welcome to the Recovery Matters podcast from CCAR, the podcast where putting recovery first is always the goal. Here we present interviews, discussions, stories, and speeches to cultivate the understanding and acceptance of the power, hope, and healing of recovery from alcohol and other addictions. Here are your hosts, Phil and Sandy Valentine. I know the story. When when did the drinking start? And why Um, do you think it started or what happened? The drinking started probably five years ago, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, we dealt with a lot of, uh, stuff with, uh, my daughter had her own issues yeah. and that was not easy on both Cheryl and I. And at that point I had her therapist say, you know, you realize this is all your fault. She said that to you? Yeah. Or the therapist said that to you? Yeah. And maybe at the end of the day it wasn't, but, um, so to hear that from somebody, regardless of that's whether bizarre. they're right or wrong, but yeah. it oh, was... Um, that's cruel. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. And that's really what set me off the, the, the deep end in terms of just depression and, and mm-hmm. my own feelings of, you know... self Now, look, yeah, looking back at it now, and like I said, what I've learned through, mm-hmm. through the therapy I've gone through and through recovery is, you know, all the stuff that really stems from, you know, childhood and, you know, the feelings of not being worthy and, you know, being, you know, being a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, started drinking then, and but it started by only, I would have a drink a night. You know, I'd get home from work and I'd have a drink. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, there's a lot of people that do that. Well, the one drink, and there was always, there was never beer, like, I was never been a beer drinker. It was always whiskey or tequila or mm-hmm. sometimes a good rum, mm-hmm. but um, I would have a drink and then that drink kept getting bigger and bigger and, you know, from like a normal rocks glass, <laughs> a normal like single or double pour to, I was feeling, I was drinking a lot, but it, it, and like with anything in my life, it progressed very, very quickly. Yeah, you know, it was now my, it was my now obsession, mm-hmm. <laughs> where except this time it was more so, and it started really with trying to close my mind down mm-hmm. at the end of the night, you know, and just so I could sleep, and um, I just didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. So it was a way to turn turn things off, and of course, the longer I went on, the more I had to drink, and you know, within a year, I was drinking well over a bottle a day mm-hmm. of, you know, typically I'd have her whiskey or tequila. Um, but you're still functioning. You're running. Yeah, it was never. Uh, your that's business the, is growing. That's you're the weird part about things. it. Yeah, during this whole yeah. part, you know, you know, we're getting all kinds of, re- of awards. And, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, none of it meant anything. Right. You know, I had the city name a day after me, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I've gotten all kinds of, I mean, we've, and it's part of how we just want to treat people and do our business, but, you know, we've always tried to support the community and support people that need it, and, you know, we do a lot with, uh, with uh, second chance initiatives, and um, so we've gotten lots and lots of rewards and accolades and, uh, you know, best barbecue awards, and it, it'd feel good for a minute, 
but then you're on to the next, okay, well, what's, mm -hmm. that wasn't good enough. I could have done this better. Or, you know, you're mm -hmm. always pushing yourself. And I've, I've always been my own worst judge. Um, but none of the awards meant anything. And during this time, like I said, I'm still, we're still dealing with, uh, my daughter's issues and my own issues. And during the, you know, during that time is when I first started really addressing my own bulimia. Mm. Um, and getting that at least stopping, I wouldn't say recovered, but stopping the behavior, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the eating disorder of being a dry drunk, mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, and I still struggle, I'd say, with like body image issues and stuff like that. But it's at least I'm a, for me, it's more so now with any of it, I think it's, it's really about being mindful and really Jeez. just kind of learning, okay, where's that thought train going and derailing it or, you know, cutting right. it off. Uh, what, so you've mentioned body image of, uh, a few times. And, and w when we look at you, you would seem like the last guy that would have body image issues. So what is it you see and you know, where do you, how do you think you... It's, well, it's like growing up, you know, growing up. And you know, it's, I say it's similar to, you know, when you talk about eating disorders and body image and stuff like that, it's mm -hmm. typically around girls mm -hmm. and how there's an unrealistic expectation for girls to all be Barbies. Right. You know, or whatever the latest mm -hmm. ideal is because it's always changing. Well, I would argue that it's the same for guys. Mm -hmm. You know, for for me growing up, it was always you know I wanted to be like Arnold, or I wanted to be like <laughs> Frank Zane. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't realize it when you're a child, or like you know back then also like um, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> yeah. you know, or like any of the wrestlers. You know, yeah. but you, what you don't realize as a child is that's not real. Right. You don't. That's not nat. Well, it's not natural. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you can't be like that unless you're on mm -hmm. a lot of different <laughs> supplements. I'll call them yeah, supplements. <laughs> Which hey, you know, and and I've never had a problem with body bodybuilders. If you're willing to pay that price, yeah, to achieve that goal, then so be it. Mm -hmm. I just I never was, but so you see, like, and, and I and when I'm when I'm not deluding myself, I'll say, or having a called just delusional thoughts i know i'm a better shape than 90 percent of the people out there mm -hmm. but and in that's case not what you, i in case you haven't looked in a mirror you're kind of handsome <laughs> bill knows this so he's this is not coming as a surprise for him that i think you're handsome but <laughs> but you just don't think of it though I, like i don't think of, i think of it as well i haven't i don't look like arnold I don't mm -hmm. look like he's not that I'm cute. not ripped up well I'm Arnold's just I'm not like Arnold's old, I'm man. not like five percent body fat yeah you, you, I don't have like ripped abs and it's like well I should there's no reason why I shouldn't mm -hmm. you don't because you're freaking weak willed and you eat too much you know so as you then you that's just beat you yourself you. up yes that's what you tell yourself exactly and so where we're we going with this um, well, this is all tying into your the drinking, drinking, and your so, business I, still going and yeah, still so achieving in yeah, some areas. Still, and, uh, the drinking uh, never really affected business. Like, and and because I, I even when I was drinking a lot, like so, so I started out a glass a night, mm -hmm. and then it would progress, progress, progress to where there towards the end, I would say, well, I would say the last nine, at least nine months, I only drank for about a total of maybe 
two and a half years. Which is so. I went from nothing yeah. to, <laughs> to two and a half years to to, to the being point in recovery, where, yeah. where I was I was going to kill myself. Mm. You know, I was um, I would go to work, and you know, there's for, I'd say for the last at least six months. You're building out Hartford at this time, I think, right? Or were you? No, at no. this point, everything's already all built out. Oh, okay. Um, uh, it might have been towards the tail end of when we were building out Hartford is when it started. Yeah. But it was more so like we had Chango going. And so I'd sit at the bar at Chango, and mm-hmm. um, it's usually where you could find me with Evan. Uh, when I got Bernie, Bernie would just be sitting under my chair. Mm-hmm. And, um, Bernie the dog. Bernie, my German shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Um, which he's probably he he's probably the reason why I'm alive today, mm-hmm. um, which I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I would sit there and uh, there towards the end, I would get to work around lunchtime ish because it was okay to drink starting at lunch, at least for me because I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. And I would sit down, and the bartenders all knew what I liked, and they wouldn't make me a normal cocktail or mm-hmm. a normal drink. It was always. It was basically like a quadruple, you know, it wasn't even a double. <laughs> um, wow. And I would drink probably, I don't know, three, four, five, six of those between then and early or late afternoon, early evening. And then I would. You're still talking and functioning oh, yeah, pretty yeah. normal? Yeah, that's, that's what's so weird. It's so like your tolerance is off the charts. Then, yeah, and my body's so always. It's a late starter. Like, yeah. Yeah, my body's always kind of just. Process things very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I would never get like sloppy or anything like that. I would sit there and I would do my, my work on my computer and just drink, drink, drink. Because mm-hmm. I knew I had to get a head start. Because if I didn't, if I didn't start then, by the time I get home, I'd be having to chug bottles. Oof. But I wouldn't go home without a bottle mm-hmm. unless uh, if I didn't. If I knew, I if I knew. Well, during this time, also, my wife and I separated. My ex and I. Um, so I was living on my own. Um, which made it even worse because there was no accountability at all. Right. Um, if you went into my apartment at that time, I was living downtown. You would see, I had some food, not really a lot, but mm-hmm. I probably had at any given time a dozen different bourbon bottles. And, mm-hmm. um, so the nice thing about owning a restaurant is you also have access to liquor distributors and you can oh, yeah. order whatever you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And it was never bad. It was always high-end stuff. Too. Oh, always, I know. When I look back, in fact, there's an app where you can plug in, like, your average. I forget what the app's called, but it's yeah. a recovery app. Where yeah. You can plug in, like, what was your average spending per day and how much time did you spend per day drinking. And, I mean, the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I've saved over the last two years is just incredible. But um, I would sit there and drink all day. And then, like I said, you know, if – I knew I didn't have anything. If I didn't have at least have a full bottle at home, I would take a to-go bottle. Mm-hmm. And um, but then it got to the point where that was becoming daily, mm-hmm. and I knew that what I was doing wasn't necessarily great, and I didn't want my staff to know I was drinking that much. So then I would just stop by the I would stop yeah. at a liquor store. But then I would switch up liquor stores too, because I mean, you can't be going to a liquor store every goddamn day buying a bottle. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the, the that's not acceptable. <laughs> the owner to know you were drinking. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's just but how your mind works when uh, you're in that. It's uh, it's it's yeah. really when I look think back about some of the stuff, uh, just my thought processes were insane. Yeah, it's really that's really it's really insane. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then it got to the point where that wasn't enough either. So then I started taking Ambien and oh. Seroquel and drinking with it mm-hmm. because that was the only way where at night I could sleep at all. Mm-hmm. It just and now looking back at it, and I didn't realize it at the time was just how much drinking like that makes your depression worse. Yeah, and it just it quickly spiraled down into what I call it. I told everybody, I was like I was living just in a black hole like at the bottom of a black hole mm-hmm. where there was no, nothing good. You know, like I said, I could get, I could get whatever accolades and awards and it never, it never meant anything. I just felt like, you know, you feel like at, at that point, I really felt like a horrible person. Like, you know, and so I kept on trying to, you know, you do these things to try to prove that you're not, right? that you are worthy, that you are, see, I did good things. I did this, I did that. And you know, people didn't really necessarily see that. You know, people, I'd have people, oh, you know, it's always sunny in bear country, you know, so you have to go to work and, you know, you have to put on, or you're, you know, you're going to speak in public or you're going to accept an award. And, you know, of course you have to be smiley and mm-hmm. talk and um, wear your your outside mask, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But then at home, you know, I'd be sitting in my, you know, I eventually moved over to West Hartford and I'd be sitting in the basement there and, uh, I would just I would drink until I passed out, and, and like I said, it was weird. I would I would never get sloppy drunk. I would go from drinking to I was out, and um, like I said, eventually that wouldn't work. So then I would start taking Ambien with it, which is I, mean, I didn't realize I probably knew it. I I know I knew that at the time, but I ignored the fact that I knew that that was dangerous. Um, but then even Ambien stopped working, or, mm-hmm. so then I started taking Seroquel with it. And I don't know if you know about Seroquel, but that's Circle uh, by itself will turn you into a zombie. Um, but yeah, so there towards the end, I was drinking, drinking, drinking almost every from the time I wake up to the time I till the time I passed out at night. I, I was drinking. I had to be for at least six months some level of intoxicated, twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, and then that fateful time. Yeah, and then I found myself uh, there towards the very end. And like I said, the depression just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. And um, started having you know suicidal thoughts and um, ended up one one night, uh, I have guns and sitting in the basement. And there had been a lot of times where I just I would be drinking. I'd just have the gun, my guns out, sitting next to me or whatever. No reason, real reason, but. Mm-hmm. The more I thought about it, and then one night I stuck it in my mouth and was a hair away from pulling the trigger. You know, I, was, I was done. I was, was nothing was ever going to be better. Like I said, it's like you're living in the black hole and you just don't see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any way out or any you know. There, I think it'd just be better if it was over. Mm-hmm. But in my insane mind, the only reason I didn't do it was because of Bernie. Uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot myself. Nobody, nobody really knew where I lived. All right. And because of that, nobody's going to find me. Mm-hmm. And Bernie's going to end up fucking eating me. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to end up eating me, damn it. And that's the only reason why I didn't. Um, but that's luckily, so when I woke up the next morning, wow. that's when I realized, I, I call, actually called my ex. I said, I have to go. I have to go for help. Mm-hmm. Was it even amazing you knew where to go or? Well, and then like anything else, I obsessively over the next couple of days researched and, and again, luckily for me, I'm 
I have enough money where I could afford to go to any recovery center I wanted in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, you did. And I did. <laughs> I went to Bali, uh, a place called The Lighthouse. Um, I researched all kinds of, I researched like all like the high-end places. And mm-hmm. even at that point, I wasn't looking for an addiction recovery center or mm-hmm. a rehab. I was looking for something around, because I, I wasn't an alcoholic. Right. I didn't have a problem drinking. I had mental health issues, yeah. <laughs> is what I told myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, so it was, it was, and I didn't want to, there was no way I was admitting that I was an alcoholic either Mm -hmm. because I've had, I had alcoholics and drug addicts in my family growing up and that's not me. I know that's no way in hell that's me. You know, alcoholics, somebody that's laying in the gutter or that's, you know, getting DUIs or, you know, whatever. So I said, I researched pretty much everywhere. Um, and I knew that I needed somewhere that was more one-on-one. You know, I knew I, cause I'm, I know I'm smart enough to wear. That's always been my problem with therapy and stuff is I'm smart enough to where I know what I need to tell them mm-hmm. and how to play the game. And I knew if I was in a big group setting that I'd be able to just finagle my way out, you know, just play mm-hmm. the game. And I didn't trust myself to put in the effort needed. So I found this place in Bali, and it's it's really the one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, went away uh, February 26th is my sober date and really never looked back. I jumped right in. I mean, just like anything else in my life, I jumped right in it full tilt. You know, you if did. I was going to be sober, I'm going to be the best person in recovery in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to do all my homework. I'm going to do all my studying. I'm going to, you know, it's just... But really, and and one of the reasons I picked Bali was because, especially there, they did a lot of community service as part of their their Mm -hmm. stuff. And they integrated a lot of, what I'll just say, like alternate or Eastern philosophies in their their recovery also. So there was a lot of focus on meditation. So when I think about what you just said, that you were in this dark place with a gun in your mouth, but over the next two days, somehow you were rational enough to do research and still know what you wanted in a in a, a center. Well, I, was, I think does, I was scared. How, how does that work? I think I was just, I was terrified. I knew that I didn't want to die. Oh, uh, yeah. I knew that, you know, I, I, rationally mm-hmm. I knew it. Um, and I knew that if I didn't get help, I would be dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the next time I would either kill myself or or I would move on to something else. I'll just say harder drugs. Yeah, you know, because like I said, the the Seroquel and the Ambien and the drinking it just wasn't cutting anymore. Yeah, I would literally go to bed with a glass next to me, a glass of whiskey next to me, and then when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'd fucking drink it mm-hmm. just yeah. because I needed to sleep. So yeah. I was literally drinking twenty four seven. Um. But went to went there, and it was it was odd, you know. Especially at first, you'd think, God, I don't belong in a place like this. Or, luckily for me, and like I said, I knew myself well enough that I knew I needed to be somewhere mm-hmm. very individualized. So, and at that place, they you have your own little your own little villa where you have a, a, a recovery coach. I'll call them, stay with you twenty four seven. You know, they especially at first they make sure that you're doing. Meetings that you're doing all the work that you need to do. You're just being safe mm-hmm. um, because there it's, it wasn't just a, a, a for alcohol. It was you know everything. So a lot of you know, so what did you discover there? And, what did you discover? 
Oh, a lot. Um, like I said, there it was really a big focus on, like I said, meditation and yoga, mm -hmm. mindfulness, um, breath work. Did a lot of therapy, and of course, like I said, being me, they had their standard schedule. Like, okay, this is you know, in a given week, we want you to go to two yoga classes and two therapy sessions, and mm -hmm. you know, at so least you, you would a meeting a day. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was like, well. No, I'm here to get better. I'm not here to relax. I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to fix whatever the hell's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So I had them f from the time I'd wake up in the morning till the time I went to bed. My schedule was full every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it also worked. So, you know, and, and just learning just a lot of why you learned a lot, of, did a lot of trauma work. And I think, and I still believe to this day that I, at least for me and the type of, what I'll call the, the, the addiction I had and the reasons I had the addiction was trauma-based. And I think a lot of people, it's based out of tra some, some kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I still think that on some level, addiction can be recovered, can be healed if you can heal completely from your trauma, mm -hmm. which is very, very hard. Oh, yeah. Um, but the more you heal from your trauma, the less likely you are going to be to relapse. And typically, and I'm, not, I'm very new at this, but from what I've seen, the people that have relapsed in my life haven't dealt with the true underlying factors of why they are addicts, mm. whether it's a drug addict or alcohol or mm -hmm. gambling or anything else, because you're just trying you're trying to fill that hole in your in your mind that was left by the trauma. And so a lot of the work we did was based on, I did, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was TRE, trauma release exercise. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've done any of that. It's mm -hmm. pretty incredible. It was, it's, it's really nothing other than, it was, it was developed for uh, military, ex-military people with PTSD. Yeah. And it's really just, it's a series of movements that releases the anxiety from your body. Mm. Um, they, they found it studying like antelope. Or like mammals in general, because because mammals, like most mammals, other than people, like people, take your trauma and internalize it. Right. It's latched into your brain. Animals don't have like other mammals don't have that ability. So, what they saw was like say like an antelope. You see an antelope get chased by a lion and escape. <laughs> but what they would see That's is traumatic. the antelope would <laughs> fall on the ground, shake for a minute, yeah. get up and go along its merry way. Okay. It, it's not holding on to that trauma. Wow. And what they found was that. People can mimic that that release of that that anxiety release, and it really does work. You do one session, like for me, I could do, and they. What I liked is they taught it so that I could do it on my own. Yeah, and you can do one session, and it's really just like I said, it's you're just moving your body in a, a little bit different ways, and uh, focusing on your breathing, and. Um, just like that saying, you feel like, like you feel like it's all, you feel like it's all gone. It's you, like this, you feel shake absolutely it off, relaxed. right? Yeah, exactly. In a sense, like exactly. Shake it off, right? So there was that, wow. and there was different. Uh, we did different types of trauma therapy, and um, for I was there for three months, mm -hmm. and um, and really about being mindful. And I was talking to somebody. Well, I was actually uh, somebody the other day about. Um, they they made a comment about you know I'm just gonna stop trying to be a good person because I'm just so sick of 
you know, it's it's not, you know, you try to treat people well and they just turn around and disappoint you or mm -hmm. treat you however they're going to. I was like, well, so that's one thing I've, I, I still struggle with that I, I really try to work on is, you know, not setting expectations, mm -hmm. you know, so be a good person, do good things, mm -hmm. treat people how you want to treat them, which hopefully you want to treat them well, mm -hmm. and, but don't attach expectations onto those actions. And then that way, if they do reciprocate and treat you well, hey, that's great. Mm -hmm. But if not, it's no sweat off your back. Right. You did it because you wanted to do it. And there was no expectation of reciprocation. And that way you don't. You, and so there's just a, a bunch of little things, you know, and really just I think a lot of it is just being mindful, mindful and being in the moment and really um, appreciating what you got and not and accepting things, accepting things for the way they are. Sure. You know, it's one thing like my coach, like anytime I would say, I wish this, or I wish that, or, you know, so that, that just needs to go out of your vocabulary. You just need, when you say stuff like that, you're not accepting, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're wanting things to be different. You have to accept things the way they are. Um, and not to say like you just accept and roll over bad things, mm -hmm. but there's stuff in your life that you can't, you know, it's the serenity prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's things in your life that you can't you can't change, and you can fight them all you want, but you're pretty much you're hitting your head against the wall. You know, and who's that going to hurt? Right. <laughs> so just accept, mm. which is still a struggle. Like I'll catch myself, especially I, I've I've caught myself a few times um, in the last few months, especially as things get you know as things get more stressful at work, or you know you find yourself at least for me like backslipping and. Uh, you know, not accepting, and that's when I know I need to kind of refocus. And yeah, how do you take care of your recovery today? Um, photography's helped a lot. You are. Um, that's like so I've really talk about it. diving in, diving into photography and this world. You, you're. Yeah, well, I've always liked diving. I've done it for yeah. years, but when I was in Bali. Um, I was, uh, I started diving again and just remembered and it was just like little things like that. Like they reminded you just, you know, that there was a bunch of stuff in the world that you really love. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, there was the diving or we'd go for hikes or just being outdoors in general, I think. Yes. I think everybody should have to be outdoors a good portion of their week, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, at least go for a walk a day or, you know, I find like even that, like even just taking the dogs for a walk in the woods. Mm -hmm for 30 minutes a day makes a big difference, you know, Close. just to, to allow your mind to, mm -hmm. to reset and kind of decompress. Um, but in Bali, I started diving again and just like with anything, full tilt. Yes. <laughs> before I left, before I left, I had all my gear back again. And uh, had, at that point I started becoming interested in, in, in taking underwater pictures. Um, I've always been, I've always liked photography. I did a little bit in high school, but then mm -hmm. just like anything in my life, it just went by the wayside after I lost interest in it. Um, but started taking pictures and again, really just, it was my latest obsession. But the good thing about photography is it's, it can always be better, you know, and there's always new subjects. To, so it's the, the get bored level hasn't, I haven't reached mm -hmm. it yet. 
or I'll reach it, and then you find something new to take pictures of, mm -hmm. or some different technique to try to master. Yeah, so one of the pictures we've seen, we've seen um, uh, the marlin and the bait ball resonates with me. Um, you, you're, you're freaking nuts being in the water at night taking pictures of sharks. <laughs> but then I also see you kind of said, well, maybe I'll go take some pictures of owls. Yeah. So which yeah. is like, what? Now let's go back to the sharks. Right <laughs> okay. like, what is sharks that feeling fun. in your body when you're in the water with them? Um, and you don't seem that far away, although I know camera is not far away. Oh, no, they're like, because those are wide angle, wide angle yeah. lenses. So typically, like most of those pictures, they're like within like a foot. Um, sometimes closer. Mm -hmm. Like they'll hit the they'll hit the front of my. What's camera. that anxiety releasing thing? Because I have <laughs> so I'm just thinking about it. Um, what you realize, and what especially like there's like whole groups of people out there that are trying to educate the public on on sharks is that they're really not interested in you. They're mm -hmm. not interested in eating you. You're not a food item to them. Um, they might be curious, mm -hmm. but uh, for the most part, they're not. They're not interested in, in biting you. Um, and typically, when there are attacks, the common theme is the person was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was, I think it was last year or the year before, there was a person attacked by a great white out off uh, Cape Cod. Yeah. 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 Well, it's because the person was wearing a wetsuit and swimming out by where all the sea lions were, or the mm -hmm. seals were. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it got the shark is in the water and. So that looks kind of like a seal to me, mm -hmm. but we all, but what you'll also always see is typically, let's just say typically, a shark will bite somebody and then release and go swim off because mm -hmm. it realizes, oh, well, that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> tastes that like tastes a dirty weird. person. It tastes weird. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I mean, it's like anything, like when you first jump in and no matter if it's been, what was my first time or the last time. There's always, at first, until you really acclimate, you get situated, it's, it's a little, it's a little exciting, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially for the bigger sharks. Um, mm -hmm. But I also go with people that really know what they're doing, that have been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. And then the more you educate, it's just like anything else, the more you educate yourself on something, the less unknown there is. And the, you realize there's not a lot to be scared of if mm -hmm. you do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. What do you want to photograph next? I'm sure you've thought about that. Um, there's a couple a couple trips that I have in mind. Uh, I would like to do some more land based stuff. So um, there's a couple a couple tours, a couple guides that are in um, that are based out of Russia that do like uh, <laughs> like the snow leopards and <gasps> tigers and no. Yeah. Do you want to get a snow leopard? I would like to. Wow. And, and really for me it's about sharing and like for any of my pictures it's really so it's really just about sharing it with people. Yeah. Especially and that's what I really like about cuz like the the land-based stuff everybody has seen a picture of a snow leopard or mm. seen them in a seen them in a Unfortunately, seen them in a zoo, which I don't really like zoos. But no, uh, oh, they're very hard to see in the well, wild. Well, they're, they're very rare. Yeah, but you see, they're the very pictures. secretive too. Yeah. So, and then there's polar bears. I want to do the polar bears up in uh, Churchill, Canada, which is way up north, like on the uh, Saint Lawrence. If I was going, you know where I would go. I want to do grizzly bears. I would love to do grizzly bears. Yeah, grizzly bears on the list. 
uh, up in Alaska. Yeah. And I also the spirit bears. When we went on safari, I think you probably yeah. saw some of that with our daughter. So we have, we're still Facebook friends with our guides. So if you ever decide to go on safari. I definitely want to do the safari. Oh. There's I, all kinds of crazy animals I want to take pictures of. In I, know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I've said this before, but that's the last place in the world I ever wanted to go and the last thing I ever wanted to do. And I cannot imagine that I would have lived my life without the experience. And that's the thing is there's just there's so much cool stuff to do and that's what you what you realize in recovery and what wouldn't have been possible with, without recovery is so without recovery I'd probably be dead by now mm-hmm. I would have either killed myself or I would have taken a lethal combination yeah, of some yeah kind. exactly because yeah. I was always like I said I push mm-hmm. I push I push I push um, and do you still push today oh yeah I got him. do you think it's tempered at all. Or have you rechanneled yeah. it? Yeah, because I've I learned to watch it like even like with like like weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Like I, I go to the gym probably yeah, four days a week, which before that wouldn't have been acceptable. Yeah, how could you, you know? just do four? <laughs> and I and I, I I allow myself. I'll just say a little grace, and that uh, I am getting a little older. Yeah, so I can't lift as much as I used to. As far right. as like my joints just can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but no, I still definitely get obsessed. Like my latest obsession is sailing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Marissa, who's my uh, mm-hmm. my girlfriend, um, her and I went for sailing, like our first sailing lessons uh, about a month ago. And um, Yeah, especially because I love water. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, if I, get, if, I get by, if I get a catamaran, we just go sail all over the place and Live the life. So well, that's been my latest one. So I went down so, to the boat show last week in Annapolis. What size catamaran are you talking about? I like a 45 <laughs> to 50 foot. So, but the problem right now. Is one of the ones you just throw in the back? No, toe, no, toe big one. Back. One that you can live on. Yeah. But the problem right now is just like everything else is there's, like I went down to this no boat no show. Supply. They're like, it's like 2025 before you can get no a boat. Supply. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's like five years from now. I'm not. Who knows what I'm going to be obsessed with right. then? I want to want a boat. Of fires. <laughs> that's way too far. But down that's the road. great to know, right? Like, yeah, you're embracing it and directing it towards healthier. Yeah, things. exactly. And you know, there's there's worse things to be. I, I know I know I need to be able to push myself in some manner. Um, and there's of course there's still the business, and we're still trying to grow that. So we're building multiple spots down in North Carolina and. Um, like we were just talking about before, we just closed closed down Blind Pig. So mm-hmm. there's still a lot to do with, with work. Um, but then just the photography, I, I really like the photography. But even that, like I have to learn, you don't always have to have the latest and greatest camera. Like Sony just came out with a new camera. It's like, well, your camera's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Right. You know, right. you're not, your, your pictures are not being held back by your camera. It's your right. lack of skill. Right. There you go. <laughs> Which is just practice and taking classes. So like I've, I've done a couple like, you know, I'm constantly, uh, you know, my free time, I like, go watch YouTube videos on editing. And a lot of the, especially for photography, a lot of it comes down to the editing. You can take a pretty bad picture. And if you edit it properly, it's, it makes a huge, huge right. difference. So just learning different editing styles. And, but yeah, I want to, I want to just continue traveling and um, how do you, helping people. How do you describe yourself today? Because you've always said you wanted to be seen in a certain way, but... Who is Jamie McDonald today? Who are you? And I know question, that might be, yeah, but who are you? How? I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, you do. I'm, I'm, push, I'm gonna push you to answer that. Who are you? Who am I? Uh, I don't know. Just somebody trying to do better in the world. You know, I wanna, I wanna leave the world a different, a better place than when I got here. And you know, there's, there's, and I think, at least, hopefully, people evolve as they, as they live, and they grow. You know, there's times in my life when that was all about money. Mm-hmm. You know, the more money you had, the more money, you, the more successful you are, the better person you are. That's not true at all. Okay. As we can see by some of our super rich billionaires in the mm-hmm. world, <laughs> they're not necessarily good people. All right. Um, and at the end of the day, and yeah, having some money is nice. And like I said, I've been lucky enough to where the businesses are doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could travel some. And, but it's really about you know, making a difference and whether it's the community or even individuals' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, you know, um, uh, a friend of mine uh, just passed uh, a few months back. Of, he'd been battling cancer for, since he was a child and he was still, he was only 21. Um, but, you know, taking the time to take him take pictures last last fall remember that you know and um you know as somebody that's healthy you don't really think of it as a huge deal mm-hmm. you know i knew it was i knew it would be nice for him and stuff like that but like come to find out um you know talking to his parents especially after he passed how important that day was to him and how much of a difference it made to him mm-hmm. and how much he enjoyed it and they talked about it you know for the next year um and so just like that like you said, just taking the time to make try to make a, a difference in, in people's lives um you know phil like, started early on with ccar the message was putting a face on recovery because 22 plus years ago you know it was all in church basements you didn't see anybody shining a light on recovery and you you i really appreciate how quickly you put yourself out successful business owner incredible reputation and you put your recovery out there and for mental health as well yeah um i think that's important it's important for i think it's important in general for the recovery community to be it's just the you know like we talk about with like mental health you know the stigma around recovery or mm-hmm. you know like i said you know growing up you think of an alcoholic or an addict as a scumbag you know that's just somebody that's fucking weak and mm-hmm. then you know it just can't handle their can't handle their lives and you know even up until like i said until the point where i went to my first meeting in bali i wasn't no way in hell i was an addict you know what the hell are you talking about <laughs> Right. <laughs> there's some mental issues <laughs> yeah. but that just goes to show you just how how much of a stigma there is around it and um so that was part of my own recovery is just figuring out you know i knew that i had to be open in order to to make it lasting and that if i felt shame around it or um really it's the shame um that it wouldn't last mm-hmm. Um, because that was part of my trauma to begin with is always feeling bad about myself. So mm-hmm. now if I thought, you know, that, yeah, here mm-hmm. I am, I'm a scumbag, alcoholic and, you know, whatever, but being open about it. And, and it's, it's really surprising over the last couple of years, um, since I have gone into recovery, um, how many people have reached out, 
you know, especially just through, I just, you know, I do my posts and stuff occasionally and, you know, thank you for posting this today, you know, I really needed this or, you know, thank you for being so forward with your, your own recovery and stuff, you know, it's, it's helped me and, you know, if I could just keep doing that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to know that it does have a positive effect on me. If, you know, if it does help somebody get through the day and, or go into recovery or continue their own recovery or go back into recovery or whatever stage they're at in their own lives or their own mental health or, you know, reaching out. Um, you know, I still think of mental health is a, it's, it's such a huge issue. I know there's people, you hear about people every week, whether in your own circles or extended circles that, you know, committing suicide and, mm. you know, losing that battle. And, um, we've had, you know, the rash of, seems like more so, lately versus before but maybe i just wasn't aware of it as aware of it before but especially over the last few years about like just famous people mm-hmm. you know um whether you know whether mm-hmm. committing suicide or um overdosing you know all the opioid deaths out there and yeah. it's all related you know it's all to me it's all related it's all you know you're an addict because your your mental health issues and um if we could, like I said, I think that solving one definitely helps solve the other, or helping one helps the other. Um, but I think people really have seen, especially like with Robin Williams or with Anthony Bourdain, um, here are people that really had the world by the balls. You know, they're, they're rich, they're famous, they are loved. They're but even enough. them, it's not enough, and that's mm-hmm. what I try to tell people is yeah. not to say um super rich or famous or anything, but from outward appearances, I have a good life. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a successful business. I have spending money. You know, I have two great kids. I have way too many great dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't think that there's anything to, to be depressed about. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, well, what's wrong with that person? They have everything, you know. Yeah. Um, you realize that, like I said, even like the awards, all that stuff. Like when you're in that, when you're in that struggle, it means absolutely nothing. In fact, I think it makes it worse because then, as a person in that situation, you you think the same way. Mm-hmm. I have, I don't, I don't deserve to be able to feel like this. You know, what do I have to feel bad about? You know, I have money, I have fame, I have blah blah blah. What if? What would you say to people that feel that way? What would have helped you, or what would what would you say? I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be I think it's cumulative. I mm-hmm. think that just it just has to keep being put out there that it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. That, get help. That, yeah, get help. That it yeah. doesn't matter. The the you're not your alone. worldly possessions aren't yeah. the, don't disqualify you from having mental health issues. Right. You know, and. and like I said, I, if anything, that served to isolate me even worse mm-hmm. because I couldn't admit it to my staff. I couldn't admit it to my family, you know, even with my family. I'm the successful one. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be now the one, you know, growing up, I was always, I was the black sheep. You know, mm-hmm. I was always the one in trouble. I was the mm-hmm. troublemaker and all that. And now that I turned that, turned my kind of obsessions to business and whatever, mm-hmm. now I'm the successful one. So... You know, what right do I have to be depressed or suicidal or addicted or anything like that? So it just helped 
like I said, isolate you even more. So my 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 message to people is just, yeah, you're not alone. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you. Everybody deserves to be happy. And, yeah. Um, enjoy life. Yeah. You know, one of the observations. There's a lot to enjoy. Observations I like to make. You talk a lot about. Sandy, I might ask you this as we start to wrap up too, is what you see. I mean, he, he asked you what, you know, who are you today? And not just looking from the outside and our conversations over the years here and there. Um, I don't, you know, the obsession is you could shift that word to passion. You know that you become passionate about it. Only you know when you cross the line when it yeah. becomes obsession. <laughs> but the part is that I really want to talk to you about, or that I've observed, is adventure. You know, in my like you, the Instagram post you have your profile, and you get a few words only to describe who you are. And I like to put, you know, that I'm an adventurer. And your adventures are inspiring because you take it to a whole new level. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go diving somewhere in the, in the faraway place and lands and in the dark do, and do these like things that are courageous to me, you know. And so you're a man of courage. You're a man of adventure. Um, you care about the people near you. Um, you want to make a difference in the world. These are all remarkable admirable qualities and you're also willing to share your experience to help others have you seen things like that is there anything else well you know that some of the folks that were in the room that day at yukon when you came and shared your story with them it was just a you know i think maybe 10 10 students they're still talking about it mm -hmm. because many of the students that i work with do come from having a lot Mm -hmm. These are not students who are struggling in poverty and things like that, and it still hasn't filled them up. So being able to see somebody and relate to them like you was super powerful. And um, and they surprised me by bringing it up because, again, it was two years ago, right? But they, they, we never know what words we choose to use, like that they have any lasting impact, and sometimes we'll never know. Oh, yeah, like so, yeah, a lot of times you have. You just hope that it does and hope well, that somebody hears and yeah well the and the big piece too that is you can look at all these successful people and you've indicated that a lot of your need to achieve was kind of to compensate for the trauma you suffered as a child and that message when you look out at people who are what we in this culture might think are thriving might be thriving for all the, <laughs> for a reason that's really detrimental that's kind of killing them inside too you yeah, just never people, know yeah you that's the know. thing is you don't ever know and, um, <laughs> it's one of the things that you have to really uh, that i've really tried to focus on in recovery is you know don't judge a book by its cover yeah there's a reason there's a reason that's a saying is mm -hmm. you know and it's and it's on both ends, just because somebody's successful does not mean that they have their mm -hmm. life together or that they're happy, and vice versa. You could have somebody living in poverty, yeah, or even homeless, and be happier than that person. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. You know, like I say, yeah, it has nothing to do with happiness, and you know that the whole the whole cliche that money can't buy you happiness. Mm -hmm. It really can't. 
it, it has nothing to do with your happiness. Right. It could buy you some cool stuff and have, make, have you Maybe say, take, take some great them. trips, oh, but yeah, exactly. it's not going to make you happy. It's no. Not, the only, the, that's one, that's I, the, the one key thing. One of the key things I've learned is your happiness has to come with, from within yourself. And right. If you're not happy with yourself, then no matter what you do, no matter what you achieve, no matter what you accumulate, you'll never be happy. When I think about it, all these, the amount of money has no impact on how you perceive an adventure. So I think like, you know, I'm going to take the dog for a walk in the woods. This could be an adventure. And you see an owl in a tree or just the way the leaves are. It's all, it's all out there. It's all inspiring. You take a trip on the beach. That's an adventure. When the kids were little, We'd be on the beach and they'd be stirring, let's go on an adventure. And what would the adventure be? It would be a Going walk. Going those to, little rocks. Yeah, 200 yeah. yards down the beach. <laughs> exactly. But it's all how you approach it. And that's what I see when you, these are, you know, you think about even your catamaran, right? You're sailing around. What? I mean, hop on a catamaran and sail somewhere, like far, like a few hundred miles or something. What an adventure. How cool is that? I want to eventually go around the world. Yeah. Go around the world? Yeah. You do? Yeah. On the catamaran? Yeah. Of course, because... Well, well, that, you know, why not? You can't, you can't sail it to the moon, so we'll just go around the world. <laughs> no, that's another thing. This is, and that's why, and this is something I've always thought, is you can't let fear right. control your life. And that, There's so, so much stuff out so there. That's, and you just hit the key of like, why? Because you, the trauma produced what when you were a kid? fear and now you're saying i mean you're just saying f you i'm not gonna let what you did to me i'm not gonna let that fear ruin my life and you've been saying that your entire life now much in a much more healthier way yeah and it's not to do and not to do and not to let some fear is good right you know because it teaches you're not gonna be irresponsible you ever see free solo yeah that's freaking crazy like i can't do that no way in hell that's one thing that that's one thing that sketches me out is like uh, there's fact, where wow. I took Chris, the kid I was talking, just talking about when I took mm-hmm. him last year up to mm-hmm. uh, Vermont, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. There's one called Artist Bluff, yeah. where you hike up there. Have you ever been up there? That's on. That's Artist Bluff. Is that uh, where we were when we went up the? Um, you hike up over the hill and then you get up on the ledge and yeah. you look up over the valley. Cannon Mountain. Cannon Mountain. Right. Maybe it's in the Franconian. Notch. Yeah. 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 So yeah. on that day, it was insanely windy, and we're up on this ledge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people standing right at the edge of the ledge. Mm-hmm. No way in hell. <laughs> all I can, all I can, like, because uh, that gets my anxiety like through the roof. I just feel so much better right now that he has a no in there yeah, somewhere. There's a no. Yeah, I'll like creep up like on my like hands and knees. Me too. But you got people that are standing right there at the edge. They couldn't care. It's our daughter, but not me. Yeah, uh, Samantha. Like she'll just find. She was like. On one, she's in Africa, so one There's of her trips, ledge, she'll find it. trips to South Africa, they have where the two oceans meet. And there's this thing like thousand feet in the air. She's sitting on the edge like there's nothing below. No, you don't have like a rope tied on me. <laughs> I can't do that. That's all I can picture is like, I'm gonna, <laughs> a wind gust is going to come and knock me off this ledge. Or, and then I've been skydiving. Um, yeah, well, that's it's a, different. Yeah, they have a, something. Yeah, they have some kind of safety. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, that's 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 kind of my my drawing line. No, so the magic of recovery is amazing because it just brings these unique relationships and connections. And you were supporting CCAR um, 
early on, way before you were ever thinking about yeah, your own recovery. And um, Phil uh, was favorite. very happy to receive oh, some yeah. Bears barbecue while he hiked the Appalachian <laughs> yes. Trail. And I still have the video of him up there on Katahdin. And then I end up at UConn, and you come and speak, and your restaurant is the barbecue of the University of Connecticut. So it all, it's just it all comes amazing. Around. Mm -hmm. It all it's, comes it's, around. It's amazing how, how small the world is. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. I would have never when I first met when I first met you. I would have never thought that I would have needed you in your professional uh, responsibility. And that's like one of the first things I did when I came home was, hey, I I think I need your help. Yeah, you know, when I got back from uh, the rehab, and to be clear, he called me and asked for my help, but I didn't do anything. We went on a few walks, and I that's just kind of what I needed. I just kind of said I'd be if you know I'm your safety net. If you ever need anything and need to talk about something, I would definitely be there for you anytime, any place. I think you know that. Yeah, that's what I really like about what you guys do is recovery doesn't have, like I said, recovery has many faces, but also recovery has many paths. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's the one thing I'd not to talk bad about because it, it does have its place, but like AA meetings. Mm -hmm. For me, AA meetings were very, very good at mm -hmm. first. I needed it. I mm -hmm. needed to see that. In fact, like I said, the first first meeting I went into, the very first time I heard somebody speak or when they were reading out of the book, it's like, yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely me. That's when I realized that, yeah, even from a – and what, you, what I realized is that we all have a very common mindset. Mm -hmm. um, the way we process things are, like I said, like uh, trauma seems to play a very heavy role. Um, but for me, the A meetings, they had their place and they got me to a place yeah. that I needed to be. And then you move on and there's other things. There's, like I said, being outdoors, there's talking to people, there's mm -hmm. service, there's... Um, but for me, I, I think my advice to anybody that's new to recovery or even in, in, in recovery because like I said I've met people that have been in recovery 20-30 years that are still struggling and I think that a lot of that has to do with you know find a uh, even I wouldn't even say find a therapist find a mode of therapy that works for you mm. and really attack your trauma well I think because the mode also but, makes it I, I've been yeah. in therapy for most of my adult life and like I said most of the time I just bullshit in front because right. I knew and not even purposefully but like right. I knew what I was supposed to be saying and but it was never really effective until I found uh, these this different modes that really hit a chord with me and it was like yeah and from that moment on it was like a, a switch was flipped and you really realized that hey I didn't deserve to be treated like that when I was like a child. You know, I deserved, the, I deserved to be loved. Sure. I deserve it as an adult. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, really, when you start making those really connections, I, I think is what's really important to long lasting and, and really happy mm -hmm. recovery. Self awareness. It's a journey towards humility and self awareness. And, yeah, and I think that's one of the gifts I've always had is my life is being self-aware not always knowing what to do about it but then once like I dove into recovery like you did that was still my passion in a lot of ways but for me that's always going inside to figure out what makes me tick how I'm wired um, and then adjusting accordingly and it's all good
because I believe God didn't make any junk, so I'm not junk, uh, and he has a purpose for me, so. Yeah, no, like I said, I think yeah, the, the awareness and just mindfulness mm -hmm. around knowing the more, the better you know yourself, the better you can right. navigate through this and crazy accept, world. And accept you, yourself. Accept and yourself accept. and also mm -hmm. help yourself. Yeah. So like you said, like I can, I cannot realize when I'm going down a certain path mm -hmm. that, or, or if my mind's not exactly right or if I'm feeling a little depressed or you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff's still there. Mm -hmm. Nothing in the world has changed since mm -hmm. before recovery or after recovery. Mm -hmm. The biggest difference is what's going on in your head. Yeah. yeah. And being aware of it, you know, the depression's still there sometimes, mm -hmm. and you know, anxiety's still there sometimes. But now you just or agree. the you thoughts, just, the, the negative thoughts, the negative self-talk. You lay on your side and shake like an antelope. <laughs> Is that what you do? You know he's going to be doing that tonight. <laughs> look, look, try. There, look up TRE. It I is will. absolutely amazing. I, I've heard of it, but I just it is at, it's at, between that and like yeah. said that breath work. I do a lot of or did a lot, but I have to actually get back into it. Um, I found that that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a very specific form of breath work too. Yeah. But if you would have told me before that I would have be, I'd be lying on a bed, doing breathing exercises, bawling like a baby because <laughs> of the emotions it brings up. Uh -huh. I would say, oh, <laughs> crazy. <All right. laughs> no way at all. But mm -hmm. that and then uh, EMDR too is another therapy yeah. mode that I really Good, that really helped me. So, um, anything yeah. else you want to say? No, uh, just I, I appreciate what what's what you've done for me, and just like you said, you, just being there. Mm -hmm. you know, that's sometimes that's all what people need is just to know mm -hmm. that there's somebody there that has their back that mm -hmm. they can call upon when mm -hmm. things get dicey, and that um, reminding people that you know you're you're not alone in the journey and your struggles and fights that there's and it's something that I realized, especially with being public, like I said, is. Uh, there's a lot more people out there than you realize that are struggling with mm -hmm. the same exact things. And if we would all just a lot of people be more vocal about it, yeah, a lot of people in recovery. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and if we could just keep breaking down the stigma around addiction and mental health and all that, uh, the quicker we could do it, the better for a lot of people. Because mm -hmm. the more people that are out there that are in, just stop people stop thinking that you're alone i think that's the worst part about it is mm -hmm. the, the isolation that's caused by mental health and uh, addiction issues because then it just it, it compounds like said, then before you know it you're in the basement you're ready to kill yourself with your crazy dog <laughs> thank you Jamie. thanks Jamie. you're welcome thank you for having me Thank you for listening to the Recovery Matters Podcast. We hope that you have connected in some way with what you've heard. For more information, you can find us on the web at ccar.us. Like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ccar, the number four, recovery. And on Instagram at Recovery Matters Podcast. And you can use the hashtag recoveryfirst to show support for our mission. Have questions, comments, feedback? Email us at podcast at ccar.us. Fire feeds fire. So if yours is burning right now, reach out and share it with someone.